This is Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I am Matt. And I'm Jason. And welcome to a brand new episode of Cinema Spin. We bring you a new movie each week, or the newest movie we can come up with. Right. <laughs> and then we go back in time via the great randomizer and bring you a random movie from the shows. past from yeah. deep in the past sometimes deep in the past sometimes in a more recent past right now it's 1960 and up yes right uh but current you know, parameters if we, get, if we get the right kind of fan mail maybe we could uh, expand our our reach a little bit um you know, so birth of a nation <laughs> 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 no but uh <laughs> <laughs> so, as I always say, we did venture out into theaters this week yes, to we did. see a new film. Yes. And I'm going to tell us about it. Yes, please do, Matt. What was it? <laughs> Our first film tonight was released in theaters just this past Friday and is Amsterdam. This is director David O. Russell's follow-up to 2015's Joy. It's been a while since he had a film out. Yeah. didn't realize that. Amsterdam features a trio of actors in the lead roles, and they are Christian Bale as Dr. Bert Bernson. Margot Robbie as Valerie Vose, and da- John David Washington as Harold Woodsman. The three of them met during doing service time during World War One. Bale's character, having been placed in a leadership role in a regiment of African-American soldiers, Washington's character being a member of said regiment, and Margot Robbie plays a nurse who is partly responsible for helping the other two back to health when they are severely injured during the war. So this trio become best friends, and Harold and Valerie even strike up a romance during some post-war time in Amsterdam. A relationship that is doomed, of course, because of the racial politics of the day back home in America. Years pass, and we find out Bert now has some sort of medical practice going on in New York City. Years pass, not quickly enough. (laughs) Harold is now working as a lawyer, and no one seems to have heard of Valerie in quite some time. This all changes one day when the beloved man and now important senator who ran their unit back in the day turns up dead. And his daughter, played by Taylor Swift, thinks <laughs> that he's been murdered. She comes to Burton Harold for help in finding out just what caused his demise. This all leads to a series of happenings and encounters, including the eventual reunion with Valerie, until they finally find out what really happened and what or who is behind it all. <sighs> is it Nazis, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> not exactly, not exactly <laughs> but yeah so what how did you feel about amsterdam jason I, well let me tell you something matt uh amsterdam is more than just a van halen song it is more <laughs> than just a place to eat too many mushrooms and vomit amstel light behind the anne frank museum it's a far off romantic fantasy land where anything is possible a state <laughs> of mind man where americans from all backgrounds can project all of their fantasies of how bohemian europeans live some of these fantasies apparently involve a mixed-race couple having free-spirited sex while their one-eyed Jewish friend listens in the next room. So there's that. Um, this is a period piece, so at least we don't have to hear the Van Halen song. <laughs> um, I mean, one one of us once said it was you. I will quote you to you. Uh, if the worst thing that happens to me is that I have to watch Margot Robbie for uh, for a couple of hours, if that's the worst thing that happens during my week, um, uh, that's not too bad. Margot Robbie... Um, is okay in this uh we don't uh, did i mention we don't have to hear the van halen song <laughs> you did you <clears throat> um that is that is pretty much exhausts the unironically good things i have to say about this um this this movie is just it, it's a mess 
I, I don't hate this movie as much as... I, this movie is getting fucking shellacked mm-hmm. by the critics, right? I can't help but think that David O. Russell's... Uh, his his period has come and gone. Come and gone. Right, like, things are finally maybe catching up with him. I mean, this is a guy uh, who uh, uh, has um, Weinstein like reputation that precedes him. Um, if 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 that's a heavy charge. Well, no. Well, I, yeah. Well, it, it, look, if back in like 2016, you would told you know I had to make a list of of mo- filmmakers who were gonna get thrown the fuck out of Hollywood for being e- for being evil bastards and everybody knew it all along um David O Russell would be right at the top of my list right so how he is still how he still has l- everybody in Hollywood lining up to sit around to wait and see if this uh, if his script is any good is 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 sort of is sort of beyond me. But uh, well, maybe this is maybe this is him being shown the door because this is a guy who's uh, maybe uh, but talents have always he's got to have people who are who are just saying that's not my experience with him at all. Too. Yeah, I mean, because... I guess Christian Bale is one of those people. Yeah, but I mean, you know, a lot of times when something comes up, like like you know, use use Weinstein as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever the first one sort of come out, everybody, nobody was like, "Well, you know, he's been a perfect gentleman to me." People were like, "Well, you know, now that you say that, mm-hmm. he <laughs> he may." Yeah, have... I mean, well, I mean, I guess it's possible that all of of Russell's. Um, I don't. I don't know how many accusers he has. I well, really he doesn't. I, I mean, I, I shouldn't put him. He's not. Ne- he's not necessarily accused of of sexual misconduct, but he's just a uh, horrible boss. Uh, he has a kind of. He has an almost Woody Allen uh, sort of stature at this point, where people just line up, right. script unseen, line up to just go off to some uh, to 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 some far off land to film with him, even though he has he, he is well known for terrible behavior. And while I've mentioned Woody Allen, this movie. Uh, Amsterdam really feels a lot like some of the worst Woody Allen, and I'm speaking entirely <laughs> professionally, some of the worst Woody Allen movies of the past 30 years, which is all of them. It's a it's a tie for bottom. Um, they just have a lot of uh, uh, hot actors sort of sitting around waiting to see if this is if, if the genius is going to show up. And this movie is a lot of that. Speaking for as far as just the movie itself without the baggage that it may come with. Mm-hmm. I'm not super. I'm not offended by this. This movie wasn't. It didn't anger me as far as I'm being not terrible by it. I, I, in fact, I sort of like the characters. Some of yeah. them. I just think that they're in a movie that just has no. It, you know, you use the word a mess. It's one of the first things that mm-hmm. came to my yeah. mind. It just it meanders around. Everything it does, it, it just every scene is just a long, elongated setup with all this extraneous dialogue, and mm-hmm. there's just so much to everything. There's yeah. not one encounter in the movie where it's just a simple thing where they go in and get something done. Yeah. It turns into something that's way more complicated. That's, you know, it's like you go in to talk to somebody about topic A and you end up talking about bird watching that becomes this sort of bird theme that lays in the no, background throughout the movie. But it doesn't really isn't go anywhere. Funny. I mean, none of the, yeah, none of this, none of this stuff is funny. It's all the stuff that, stuff that vaguely feels like it's, it m- might have been funny when it occurred to you, right? But like, don't you bounce us off of people and like? Uh, I just, fir- <laughs> I kind of believe um, that this could be edited into a much more entertaining film. Okay, but I said last week is is this just David O. Russell trying to make a Coen Brothers movie? And I still kind of feel like that's that's it, it. It feels like it also feels like the it's the sort of uh, worst of the Coen Brothers, like like when they really go off the rails, like uh, like Burn After Reading or something, like right? That. And it's just. Um, it's it, yeah. It's just them tr- having a bunch of actors try to to sort of uh, 
to sort of ham their way into uh, making this material funnier. And every character has a quirk, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, Margot Robbie's character has vertigo. Um, you know, ob- yeah, obviously right. there's there's the, the things that come with Christian Bale's, you know, war injuries. Yeah, he's, he's got, got war injuries. He's but, got, the, you know. The, you know the, well, let's talk about that. I mean, we go, we, you know, this movie, this movie plays, you know, war injuries for a lot of laughs, right? Right. Um, and and the fact that he his, he can't get his eye in straight. Um, I, I mean, how many is that ever going to stop being funny? <laughs> I, I think it stopped pretty early on. You know, even start? down to Anna Taylor Joy, who's got an infatuation with an old man. That's her quirk. Every character has a quirk, and it's just this movie just doesn't stop with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found it really tiresome. Yeah. At this point, you know, if Mike Myers is in your movie. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, pull the plug. I mean, if you want to cast Mike Myers, you're going to put Mike Myers in a movie. I mean, is it, there is nothing. I don't think there's at this point anything that makes me angrier than seeing Mike Myers in a movie. After, Even in Inglorious Bastards? Uh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was in... It was in Bohemian Rhapsody right, yeah. when I really was like, no, right, no, yeah, that's stop, strange. Right? So the uh, him in, in yeah in, in Glorious Bastards is terrible, and <laughs> and uh, and you know him showing up as the uh, uh, the rock producer who tells him, oh, kids are never gonna like this Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody song, Winky. Yeah, that was that was pretty awful. So as it turns out. Um, uh, and I did some digging around and like uh, you know how this stuff happens, and it turns out this uh, 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 this screenplay. Well, it now makes sense that Joy was his last movie because I, I didn't realize that was his last movie, right? Yeah, that's the last movie um, he's had in theaters. That makes sense. I mean, that was that long ago, but this has been sort of germinating ever since mm-hmm. then and got put off several times. And apparently, he and Christian Bale just wrote a lot. And I mean, you know. Russell's not going to share screenwriting credit with anybody, of course, but uh, but apparently he and Christian Bale just wrote and wrote and wrote on this, and have like whole like cabinets full of just you know of just material. I put really? I hang it feels I like hair materials in quotes, <laughs> right? But this I mean this feels like a movie that uh, that sat in somebody's on uh, somebody's Dropbox for <laughs> being sort of passed back and forth right. for six years, and uh, and because it never uh, you, this movie never figures out if it wants us to be laughing laughing and what it wants to be us to be laughing at how dark a comedy it wants to be does it want it wants us to sort of get all misty eyed about the possibilities of 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 uh, of Amsterdam um, at the same time it has a really dark cynical sense of humor but then at the end it's of course uh, grandstanding. Uh, has all this grandstanding populism, you know, you're, the little guys are the ones who are really in charge of this country. Bullshit, right? right. Um, and, uh, you know, one minute, uh, we're supposed to be, you know, getting all gooey over over their life in Amsterdam. The next minute, we're supposed to be chuckling at Christian Bale's. He does this really, like, terrible Borscht Belt-style impression of a, of a wimpy Brooklyn, Brooklyn nebbish. It just And that really wore on me, right? At first, I was like, oh, uh, that's a choice. So that's, that's, uh, um, that's, that's, uh, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to stick, we're going to, that's going to be all two hours and 15 minutes of watching him do that. I know that that's, that's, uh, honing in on your, your your kind of things that grate on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have that. That didn't bother me really, but, uh, well, it's just, I mean, it's not funny. Right. No, if it were, isn't. If, it were, isn't, if it you isn't were funny. going to do sort of a, if you were going to do this kind of broad sort of uh, Jewish impression that had had some teeth to it or was, was funny in some way. I mean, this is 
uh, it's too it's way too timid to be funny, but it's not good acting exactly, right? It's, it's no, just it's, it's a it's a cartoonish. It's a yeah, it's 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 not cartoonish enough to be funny, but it's too cartoonish to be good at to be good acting, right? Um, and that's that sort of sums up the whole movie. Yeah, that's there's a lot of similar problems <laughs> like that yeah. in this movie. It, this movie overstays its welcome at like what two hours and fifteen minutes. It just, yeah, it's, it's overstuffed with plot. Um, yeah, things that need to be done in order to learn about other things. Yeah, it has this really, really stupid uh, uh, sort of noir mystery plot where uh, you know they're trying to figure out who killed uh, Taylor Swift's father, and um, and it goes all you know. There's and then it un- un- ends up uncovering what apparently is was a real life. Uh, attempted conspiracy. Um, yeah. There's so a... that's the moral of the story, I guess, is, you know, you can't trust politicians or something. <laughs> you can't trust fascists, mm. I suppose. Is the, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and some of it felt like a little too on the nose as far as today's current political climate, too. It felt oh, like it was definitely, preaching yeah. to us. And, yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, it's preaching to people who probably don't need to be preached to about that. Well, of course. I mean, who's, you know, Dave, yeah, well... And it's not saying it's not saying anything at all. It doesn't have a point of view about anything. And it's, all of that is just sort of all, all the political stuff is just sort of tacked on there at the end, uh, like oh, also it's a true story, right? It doesn't have anything interesting to say. It doesn't have anything funny. Anything yeah, and, funny and to say? It's not really about that deep of a topic until all of a sudden it is. Yeah, and then it's, you know, here's yeah. another one of the the giant shifts in tone that doesn't yeah. work. You know. Well, judging uh, from the four other people that were in the theater on a <laughs> national holiday, yes, on the middle of the day, um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of days during the summer when I went to the theater on odd days in the middle of the day, and uh-huh. it, you know, the theater's really pretty empty then, yeah, like, front row parking spot and all that. And I thought, well, tomorrow, you know, with the kids off, it'll be a pretty busy place. It was a ghost town yesterday. Well, this movie, they're saying this movie's going to lose a hundred million dollars, <laughs> right? Because um, the it had an eighty million dollar write it down budget. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, you double, that doesn't double count, or triple doesn't that. count the promotion, promotion and everything. And yeah. then you, uh, and, it, and then it, it's, it's, it's not even going to make, it, it's not even going to make 20 million. I mean, it's, it's probably, it may not even make 10 <laughs> and then it had a $6 million weekend. Right. So now that I think about it, it's going to be lucky. Uh, to, to that's a lot pen. of empty seats. Cause this was that's, in quite a few, th- quite a few screens. Yeah. They went big on it. Right. <laughs> um, and it's got, uh, I mean, you can't say it doesn't have star power, right? If I may, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, David, John David Washington, Chris Rock, Anya, jo- Anya Taylor Joy, Zoe, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Mike, Michael Shannon, Timothy Oliphant, Andrea Reisenberg, Taylor Swift, uh, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro. How yeah. many fucking? Is there anybody in there you've many, heard of? How many <laughs> fucking Oscars are are there involved in this movie? Yeah, yeah. People stepped over themselves to get in this thing, I guess. And what a, what a bummer. <laughs> Yeah, there. This is one of those where, you know, I think you said in the past. I don't know who the hell I would recommend this to. There's nobody mm-hmm. I would think I, that I know. Oh, that, God, that would yeah, enjoy this. Yeah. Nobody. Um, you're, you know, you have a point. If this were more uh, edited in a more lively, uh, uh, more uh, with more of a sense of purpose, more of a sense of realizing this is not your big moment, <laughs> Russell. Uh, this movie is going to be lucky to break even. So could we just move it along, keep it under two hours, right? And and and, and maybe cut out some of the uh, self-indulgent flashbacks and the long scenes yeah, and some everything. of the stuff wouldn't grate on you nearly as much either. yeah maybe and... this would have found a more a, be, a more comedic uh, rhythm uh, than it has because that's one of the things this movie is lacking it has no sense of, of it has no sense of rhythm it has no sense of of of, of, of kind of uh 
Yeah, I mean, I guess this movie is trying to be a comedy in some sense, but I, I didn't find it like that way. I, yeah. I didn't, didn't find well, much. Well, I, I mean, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have ha -ha to be a. Fun. Yeah, it doesn't have to be ha ha funny, right? Although it wouldn't hurt, right? <laughs> to have a couple things. Now, that said, there is one moment in this movie that I laughed out loud. And it has to do with the unexpected death of a character. Oh. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know how I felt about that. Uh, that, uh, because that is, I mean, that's a, that's an artistic uh, choice uh, to do that. And that is, uh, that joke landed. Uh, I wish they might have gone with that sort of darker, uh, uh, more out of control, what the fuck kind of, uh, kind of feel. Um, at that point in the movie, I still had some hope for this. Um, that's pretty early on. All that said, I mean, uh. I still like I like I said I still feel like some of the backlash over this movie is a little, a little bit overheated. Um, I didn't, you know, thinking back to it, I, I think I even like this movie more than Joy, which I found to be just a, a just a dreadfully dull movie. Uh, that like from the beginning, and this movie kind of held me. Um, I kept waiting to see if this movie. It, there was a certain suspense to whether or not this movie had anything ha had its hand at all, right. right? Whether it could make anything out of out of this <laughs> th this big giant mess, um, whether there was ever going to be a, a moment that felt sort of uh, uh, inspired, um, and so I was, you know, f on that level, I was kind of rooting for it. Um, but uh, but joy, I just from from the word go on joy, I was just like, uh, this just, this just just sucks. I don't care about this, so. I'm, I probably like Joy more than this, um, but this this just really kind of, I just felt like watching it that I really stand behind that. I just think it could have been edited into a much more entertaining film. That's, I think that's a great point. Uh, it was it wasn't the characters that really bothered me, even though I don't think they're amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that they were fine enough to watch in a movie. They just what they're doing is is not always up to task. Yeah, I I don't think the I don't think. The, uh, I, I don't think uh... Bale's performance here is not well. I mean, we, we already said it. I mean, it's not funny enough to 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 land comedically, and it's it's too it's too goofy to be to be good acting. Um, uh, Margot Robbie's fine. I, I didn't feel there was any particular chemistry between any of the three of them. I kind of didn't. I, I'm supposed no. to, I'm supposed to feel like these are old friends and get get uh, kind of verklempt at 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 you know the 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 depth of feeling between these people and it just didn't feel it you know it, honestly it didn't feel like they, they were on set that t together that much <laughs> yeah i know um, what you're saying which I, which I, I agree. you know shouldn't surprise us <laughs> um so uh yeah it, it um, definitely didn't it felt like they were only great friends because they told us they were yeah right yeah so i, I mean this movie is uh it's 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 not as detestable as as it's it's kind of being made out to be but uh uh it's uh, it just it has no. There's just there's just no inspiration here, right? There's there nothing, there nothing clicks, and it's a lot of waiting around to see if something is gonna click, and ultimately it doesn't. So. Yep, I agree. Well, all right. Well, I guess that's gonna do it for Amsterdam. I almost forgot the name of that movie, <laughs> and I guarantee you, in the future, I will. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Listening to Cinema Spin, and we're back on Cinema Spin. We had a movie chosen at random, Jason. Okay, yes, we did. Tell us about it. It was uh, 1961's Guns of Navarone. The, the guns. guns, the guns of Navarone. In this movie, uh, by the way, none of this actually happened. This is not based on a true story in any any way. So let's just get that clear. 
because um, it feels like the sort of movie that might be based on true events. Right. It's a World War II adventure film, right? So you never know you never know what was happening in World War II. But anyway, fictionally, um, it's 1943, the height of World War II, and a few thousand British soldiers are marooned on an island in the Aegean Sea. The only way to get them out is through a strait that runs near the island of Navarone, where these Nazis have constructed some weapons of some sort. They're guns, Matt. <laughs> Gargantuan, glorious, ones. some might say sexy, gigantic caliber guns that live in an impregnable fortress. Only a really huge weapon could hope to impregnate that fortress. <laughs> somebody has to take out those guns if the Royal Navy is going to save those sailors. So that And that somebody is Gregory Peck. Captain? What is his? It is As, Captain. Yes, Captain. Captain Keith Mallory. Mountain climber, spy, and scout, scout Finch's dad. But he can't do it alone. He needs a team. The best explosives guy in the world, played by David Niven, a baby-faced assassin named Spiro, an engineer with a reputation for stabbing people, nicknamed the Butcher. Also, there is Mallory's old friend, Colonel Stavros, played by Anthony Quinn, who has promised to murder him after the war. (laughs) Mallory's mountaineering gets them up an unguarded cliff on the island, and then from there they have to adventure their way to impregnate the fortress and render those giant guns impotent. At this point, it is reasonable to ask, was Anthony Quinn actually Greek? No. No, really? He was Mexican. (laughs) Really? Now the question is, have we seen every movie in which (laughs) Anthony Quinn plays a Greek? No, right? We have not. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) So uh, anyway, uh, what did you make of the guns of Navarone, Matt? And yes, it is hard not to call it the guns of the Navarone. I... Yes. Did not care for this. Okay. This was super long and mm-hmm. super boring. Mm-hmm. At what, two hours and 36 minutes, something like that? Mm-hmm. Do we need a 45 minute crossing of the Aegean Sea? <laughs> Do we need that in this movie? No. Everything takes forever yes. in this movie. Yes. And what is it with 60s movies? They take forever to get where they're going, but once they get there, man. They'll do anything but. They and they want to get those credits up as soon as the as soon as it's accomplished. Yeah, right. Credits. This <laughs> this credits. has a couple scenes right, after. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. But I thought for a second uh-huh. they were going to be like, "Well, there go them guns." Right. <laughs> goodbye. The end. Goodbye to the guns of Neverland. <laughs> the end. Right. <laughs> I should have known I, I, when this yeah. when this movie began with a thanking of the people of Greece <laughs> for their help in making this film before they even before there's any credits <laughs> that I was going to be in for a long slog <laughs> this this I I dislike this more than the other caper films we've what we've watched okay. there was nothing in this that I just found interesting beyond you know sort of the fortress is worse than the dirty dozen uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think okay. I, I was more bored than, okay. than I was during the Dirty Dozen. Okay, <laughs> um, because I think there are some we we have some of the same issues. Uh, you know, we've seen a few of these big dick war movies of the '60s, right, uh, over the course of the show. And I'd say this one moves better than the Dirty Dozen, um, but lacks lacks the what the fuck factor of of Kelly's heroes. Right? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Um, uh, Which is amusing to get you through yes, some of the yeah, yeah, part. right. Um, so uh, I, I I think. Off the bat, the first half an hour of this movie, I thought moved along pretty well. Where they're putting together the team, I like yeah. I like uh, Anthony Quinn and I like uh, um, um, uh, Gregory Peck in these character in these roles. Um, I like they I like the weird dynamic they establish with them as they are 
former best friends who are now, <laughs> let's say, estranged, yeah. right? Um, but they have to work together, right? Um, so all of that kind of sets up, uh, and and there's uh, there are a lot of interesting kind of moral dilemmas sort of uh, uh, littered along the way, particularly involving uh, you know what to do with wounded under these circumstances, right? right. Um, what to do with prisoners of war? I think at, at some point, right? Um, and and I think that this movie. Um, you know that one of my complaints about a movie like uh, 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 Saving Private Ryan, for instance, um, well, everybody knows who listens to the show, uh, <laughs> knows that I hate the movie Saving Private Ryan. And, and I think, uh, you know, and one of the, the big reason is I think it's it's uh, it, it's super it, it's super phony. Right. With its morality. Right. Um, and I think this movie is a lot more clear eyed in the fact that no and more utilitarian in the fact that no. We're on a mission here. It's a secret mission. There is a lot at fucking stake. Um, so maybe we do need to leave. Uh, m- maybe leaving the wounded behind is a, is a conversation, right? Yeah, um, I mean, there is there is some decent stuff there as far as this dead the dead serious mm-hmm. seriousness of the mission. Yeah, you know, and how two thousand soldiers are at stake if they can't get this done. Yeah. You know, you're there's. I don't know how. I mean, I guess for the time, you know, there's there's some, there's a scene when. They have to execute a, a spy who's a woman. Yeah, that is an age well. There's, uh, I guess, but I mean, why would you lament any one person, even if it is a woman, killing her if you when you're about to blow up a whole mountain full of fucking Nazis? <laughs> uh, there are plenty of Nazis, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, uh, in 1943, there were plenty of Nazis. A- as we learn Europe. from uh, right. the Dirty Dozen. If they're Nazis, it doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the scene with the spy is uh, uh, a, a problem in a few ways. Um, first of all, it's just a, a real impediment to getting this movie to really yeah. move forward, right? Oh, I agree uh, with that. This movie really. does have the... Uh, I thought I, th- at first, I thought it wasn't going to have the Dirty Dozen problem because it seemed to be getting to what it were... To getting to go on the mission, right? But once we get on the mission and we're doing stuff, then it... it um, there are a lot of detours and there's a lot of sort of doing anything but continuing the mission. And, you know, um, uh, I don't know how long they were out there in that, on that boat in the, in this, in the storm, but it felt like 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so we should talk about that scene. So, um, so this is directed by Jay Lee Thompson, um, who was, uh, this is probably his, his, uh, most, uh, noteworthy movie. Um, uh, he was a journeyman director. He directed a lot of stuff, uh, basically like a movie a year for, you know, for 30, 40 years. Um, so um, he's not a bad director, but he's he's not an auteur. He's not David Lean. He doesn't have the the the, the vision of, of, you know, the grand war epic uh, that a movie like this might have. Um uh, and a lo- his techniques are really clumsy, and that scene with with, with the, s- the storm at sea is is a good example of where you know I th- you see a lot of I mean that that was not cheap, right? Um, no, I guess you not. See, uh, you you know they all they really did all that, and they look like they're in real danger with the you yeah, know, the I actors would... or at least the stuntmen look like they're they're this is uh, not easy stunts. This is not easy work. They're really getting you know. No, that's well done in terms of yeah, t- the technical yeah. side. The the thing is, it's like he got, um, it's like he got all the actors there, and he got the cinematographer there, and the uh, and and the the, the uh, all the special effects in place, but then just didn't know quite where to put the camera, right? Um, and then didn't get enough. You know, there's no 
there's no sense of space in that scene. There's no sense of, of, of like beginning, middle of end of that scene. Mm -hmm. There's also no establishing of what the stakes are. It isn't until afterwards that we're, they're really like, Oh, well, it's a good thing. We saved all that stuff from the ship. Right. (laughs) Um, it's just a lot of them scrambling to get all the shit off the ship. Right. Um, so, uh, so all of that is, is just not great filmmaking. Right. Um, I I just wish we would have, you know, gotten the team together Mm -hmm. With you know, with some of that, you know, the, the setup from the beginning where we meet the characters, and and then let's do one of those Indiana Jones flying to the next. Which they, they actually do in this. They uh-huh. just don't use the line like they do. Right. Yeah. Fly to your location. Mm-hmm. Now we're at the mountain or, the, or in the town that surrounds the mountain. Right. Yeah. Let's do the caper. Yeah. But there's all this the, the ship stuff, and there's other scenes that 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 just go and go and go mm-hmm. until you're just almost like I don't care if they blow this thing up at all anymore. Yeah, I, I think. Um... The the David Lean epics of this era, um, Bridge on the River Kwai and 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 uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, um, uh, they kind of sto- start this kind of gold rush to to make these big war epics and to make them big, 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 and I think to make them long, 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 right? Right. Um, because it feels, uh, I mean, this movie feels artificially inflated. The Dirty Dozen and Kelly's Heroes, I, we both agree, uh, felt felt like they were also artificially I think that's a, a little bit of sign of the times, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe if people would have gone into a movie that was an hour 45, maybe the culture would have been that they're getting kind of shortchanged. Well, you are coming there's, out of an era when, the, when there are double features. Intermissions, you know? yeah, too, intermissions, in movies. Right, they're yeah. three-hour epics where there's an intermission and an overture and you know all this mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, it's it's a little more of a laid-back time. I mean, you know, we can't – you can't overemphasize how our attention spans have been under attack for yeah. the last – you know, and so it's – a lot of this st- movies from this era have really, really tried my patience. Yeah, and, right. Um, and different, very different rhythm. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially for, especially for an action movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, it basically, uh, has a rhythm similar to <laughs> a rhythm similar to when the way we were. <laughs> the one attempt in this movie to really like create a sense of pace and like uh, uh, deadline is that they're they're kind of constantly flashing at, at random <laughs> intervals. They're random. They're flashing up like. Oh, 2100 You know, oh, oh, two hundred, oh, two hundred hours, day three, right? And it's like. Was this supposed to be a week long mission? You know, are we are really gonna walk through all the days? Of course, this... I was like, you know, how many days are there? <laughs> Shouldn't they be counting backwards? Uh, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be a better way? And then later on, they change the mission. Like they're oh, they're coming in early. It's like oh, so everything we've been told by the clock till this point has been a lie. Yeah, <laughs> I think that yeah, that's not really implemented very well. Um. Uh, so Alan Obiston, who's a British editor, uh, uh, I was hating on him, and I, I, I noticed that he actually uh, was nominated for an Oscar for 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 chopping this piece of flab together. <laughs> Wonder I mean, what the so uh, this. Uh, I mean, if there's one thing this movie is not good at, it's it's the editing. I mean, no, the scenes go on too long, and when they do cut together. They're very choppy. Yeah, there's weird. There's a lot yeah. of weird uh, visible edits. There's a lot of uh, uh, what seems every like, once in a while like there was sort footage. of a sort of a kind of clever one where like the Nazi looked at his watch and then it closed up on the watch and then all of a sudden that was Gregory Peck's watch. Did you notice that? Oh kinda, no, I didn't. They like cut. You know. Oh okay. Yeah, I thought that was sort of yeah. cool. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> but I mean, a scene like so, like that that uh, that 
uh, shipwreck scene is the sort of thing that maybe could have been saved by a really good editor, you know? Yeah, um, and you know, and then, but then, or at least maybe chopped. That whole thing goes a on, lot and then on top of it, we're still on the boat. We got the Nazi boarding scene too. You know, maybe yeah. maybe chop you know one of those. Yeah, the Nazi boarding scene wasn't bad. Yeah, I didn't think that was bad, but <clears throat> but um, you know, maybe do one of them or. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, I know. We got to. It's, it's a long, arduous journey. We got to get that beat into our head. Right. Um, but then we still have to watch him climb a mountain. And watch, right, you know, right. Um, we get it. It's difficult. Yes, we get it. Can't right. be done. It's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then a lot of walking and a lot of carrying the injured soldier. <laughs> right, right. Um, yes. Did you notice Richard Harris in this movie? He's in the credits as Squadron Leader Barnsby. No. But I did not see him anywhere in this. Um, Wouldn't he have been a bona fide actor by this point? Or is this kind of before? I think he would be, he would have been a stage actor. Okay. Um, a well-known in England stage actor. Yeah, but a lot, not, of, his, whether or not a lot was, of his big stories that he whether told or not he was Hollywood were uh, from his yeah, stage right, acting with, days. Yeah, right, yeah. This would have been no, I didn't at the beginning that. of his uh, Hollywood career. As the uh, podcast uh, military advisor, mm-hmm. I will say the uh, the German tanks in here are all American tanks. Okay. So th- no okay. credit for that, whereas no, no Kelly's credit. Heroes did right. way they, more. They, they, they faked their German tanks, tigers, but, but right. they sort of, uh, they did a really good job faking them. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of the, the titular guns in this movie, Matt? They were big. Yes, they were big. <laughs> it's, they, like that, it's like that song by ACDC, Big Guns. <laughs> ah. Anyway, Thunderstruck. Uh, <laughs> Thunderstruck. <laughs> no, it's that other one. It goes. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, all that's on. That seems all point in terms of like super heavy artillery. Yeah, big time artillery of the day. That's, mm-hmm. Those are like the guns that they like put on a rail. You know, mm-hmm. train. Yeah. you know, literally. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're big. On, they're on it. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that, that'll look all right to me. Yeah. And, and the rounds were so big, they had to carry them up there with an elevator. I thought yeah. that was all re- kind of really cool, do- mm-hmm. really well done. I I don't know about the uh, I didn't. Re- I what was the meaning behind the uh, the people who were going to work on the gun? The soldiers had to put on like a little bonnet. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was just to make the Nazis look silly. I think it was. It's like <laughs> these are very silly men, um, and uh, and they're going to put on. Precious little bonnets to go work on their on their big guns. <laughs> Everybody put on your gun bonnet. <laughs> but no, there are also some other uh, nas- very nasty Nazis in this. Yeah, there's SS one, officers. Yes, there's a one sort of very cadaverous looking uh, uh, SS officer who uh, a known torturer, right? So uh, and, tor- and uh, is is about to uh, lay into the uh, the the wounded. Um, didn't you didn't you think that, uh, that there's a scene when they've all been taken prisoner? When they kind of get out of that, it was awfully easy. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, Anthony Quinn creates this ridiculous distraction on the ground. Rolling where, where he, all he does is sort of go apoplectic yeah. and just sort of, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just sick. a poor fisherman. I'm right. sick. And that scene, like all the scenes, sort of goes on too long. Right? And then all of a sudden, everybody who's holding the gun is kind of like, is this guy sick? I'm really not paying attention sick? to what's going on right now. I don't I, even think he's Greek. <laughs> <laughs> uh He's like that guy who uh, made his living at being Iron Eyes Cody, the guy who <laughs> right, turned yes. out he wasn't really he's Indian. Italian, right? <laughs> <It's> the... <laughs> right, yes. He's made a living out of being a Greek. Turns out he's from Mexico. Oh, yeah, the, a lot of a lot of scenes that go on too long in this, and and, and that's a scene that could uh, benefit from being shorter. You know, 
uh, and have a little because if you could if you could just over overwhelm the Nazis, sort of take them by surprise. But if you if you're writhing around on the floor for a few minutes, they've had time to sort of compose themselves, and they're just ready going to be ready to shoot you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought <laughs> that was shoot you a, after everything else being so difficult to achieve. They just they get captured and they sort of get out of it with with relative right yeah ease. Yeah. My main complaint is just the length of all these scenes and how many there are and just how it's just endless setup and boxes that need to be checked for you to get to the final, you know, I just say, oh. <laughs> yes. Um, That's my official review. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Two uh's from back Jason. I was... Uh, I, I have a slightly less uh e uh. <laughs> the, uh, the closer, you know, the more... I got to the realism of actually me sitting down and watching the guns of Navarro and I was kind of dreading it because I knew it wasn't going to be a snappily paced. Yeah. Film. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when I be... saw that two hours and 36 minutes. So this was based on a novel by Alistair McLean. Uh, he wrote a sequel to the novel that was also adapted into a movie called yeah. force 10 from Navarro. Of course. Do we being, want to do that just course, for next week? Just to well, bonus figured... content. You're the one who always talking about how you go the extra mile for our listeners. I assumed you already watched it. Not lately. <laughs> I was going to ask you what's your review of Force 10 from Navarro. Uh, well, it doesn't have Gregory Peck or Anthony Quinn. Uh, they're replaced by <laughs> Robert, got, Robert Shaw. It's got Niven, and, though, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, or Niven. Niven. None of them. Oh, I thought. Uh, in fact, doesn't Anthony Quinn die in this? Oh, uh, no. He doesn't. Okay. He gets. He, they, oh, yeah. He saves they him. Pull him right. the they pull him out of the water. They pull him out of the water. Okay, right, right. Uh, and, and then I guess, but, but, uh, no, uh, I don't think, uh, I think, I don't think, I don't think any of the original people. Really? Right. But I'll tell you who is in it is a young Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Post Star Wars though, right? Cause it's 1978. Yeah. Uh-huh. That would have been so like, got... I mean, you know, you're doing these movies right in a row. Right. right so yeah. Know, it's Star Wars hasn't quite, I, I guess it was exploding. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but while you're making it, it's, you know, maybe, you know, like maybe in, just in his out. role in. Uh, you know, graffiti. He's he's a nobody, right? Yeah, and, and he's and, a nobody afterward. He too, you know, right? Yeah, and so, um, so this uh, and this screenplay written by uh, Carl Foreman, uh, who's uh, one of the, probably Carl Farvman, Carl Foreman, <laughs> Farvman. <laughs> he was born Carl Farvman. No, uh, one of the uh, the most famous uh, uh, victims of the uh, blacklist. Oh, okay. So, anyway. I'll explain my Carl Farvman reference okay. off air. Anyway. I think this that's going to do it for this. I mean, I I, I I didn't enjoy my time watching The Guns of Navarone, uh, and I, I think I'm going to skip the sequel. The last thing we want to do is overstay our welcome on our review of Guns of Navarone. That's I mean, true. It's, it's both of these movies, it's enough already. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, they went 25 minutes on The Guns of Navarone. No thank you. Yes. All right, well, um, next week we're going to have a new movie, but we don't know what it is. That seems to be a common theme, but... That's where we're at in this world. And it's going to be paired up with a random movie, which we're going to pick right now. The year, 1986. The film, The Best of Times. The Best of Times. A little bit of a sports comedy, I think. Or high school reunion that is comedy. an obscure one, yes. I've seen it, but it's been ages. Kurt Russell is in that. Yep. Remembered renting it at one point. Robin okay. Williams is in that. Okay. One of his early films, I guess. Right. So. Huh. We'll have okay. to see how that is after all these years. Well, I think if the randomizer says so, we do it. Yeah, definitely. All right. So join us next week if you can. 
We appreciate you listening, and we'll, bye we for will now. be back with something that hopefully is oh, neither sure. garbage or uh, and at least a little bit amount of fun. So, well, at least fun to talk about. That's yes. that's all we can ask uh, yeah, for. Right. So, bye for now. Bye for now.